Man, happy Father's Day from me to all you awesome dads out there. Um, welcome, um, Southcrest online and Facebook and wherever you're watching, probably half of you at the beach. Uh, man, it's so good to be back. Um, if you didn't know, um, I was in a Thorwell country yesterday. Um, I've been gone the last um, seven days um, in the Dominican doing some um, research and then had a mission trip. Some of our um, students and athletes were there with us. It was an amazing time. Um, and I get to be back here. Man, it's also crazy. When I was looking at Ben doing these gifts, I was like, oh, my dad would win that one. My dad would win that one. Uh, my dad, I'm one of eight children. Um, I've told lots of stories before. And now my dad um, is twice, almost third, great-grandfather. He's on his third great-grandchild. And he is like a young dad. I mean, not young, but younger. He's 64 years old and already has three great-grandchildren. Um, and it's just crazy to see uh, the next generation of all these dads. Um, I'm curious, uh, at 78 years old, how many grandchildren there will be? Um, and, it, and I think about it and get nervous when I think in 10 years. How many? Because out of my eight siblings, there are several of us who don't have kids yet. And I'm like, in 10 years, this is exponential growth. Um, and I'm a little nervous. Um, this morning, church, I'm going to talk... Um, straight from the Bible, um, several scriptures about what does it look like to walk like Jesus um, and, and the different ways in, in how you walk as a dad, how you walk as a family, how you lead and how you follow. This is a big deal. Um, I wanna start by saying, don't underestimate the ways that God works. Don't underestimate the ways that God works. Um, everywhere I look in the Bible, I see God using water. I see um, that our bodies are made of water, that we can go several days without food, but we cannot go very long without water. We also see in scripture um, that God used water to create. God used water to destroy. God used a rock and water um, to test uh, obedience. God used um, water to lead us to. There is some weird, I don't quite understand it. There is something with God and water. And I just want to, to preface you and look at the natural things that are around us that God will use. And so many times we're waiting on a sign or we're waiting for God to do something um, out of the ordinary. But I promise you, it, he will use the elements of the earth, but he will also probably use someone sitting next to you. A lot of times we want God to use people outside of our environment, outside of our family, outside of our comfort zone. And I think he will. Um, I know from my life, my dad currently is my hero, my ministry partner, um, my, my guy to call when I need to vent because I have a big family. And I, I have, he, he's that guy. But years ago, he was the guy that I would avoid, the guy who I felt abandoned by, um, I have a lot of hurt and confusion and I didn't understand it. Um, these are the things with relationships that God will turn around and use. So I know that Father's Day is a day to celebrate, but I also wanna recognize that um, not everyone has a chance to celebrate their father. Not everyone um, has a father to celebrate with today, but know that God's sovereignty he knows that. He knows exactly where you are and what you need. Turn your Bible with me um, to Colossians chapter two. I'm gonna jump right into this and talk about walk like you just got saved. I'm gonna talk to a couple of different people today. So first, um, step one is I wanna talk to the believers 
And you who would say that the Holy Spirit's inside of you, um, that you are saved by the grace of God. And I wanna talk to you about walking like you just got saved. Like you just got saved, you were baptized yesterday, and it's time to walk like it. Go with me, um, chapter two of Colossians. I'm gonna start in verse six. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, your Lord, so walk in him. Verse seven, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, you just became a Christian. Have you ever been taught what it looks like to walk like a believer? I don't care how old you are or how young you are. One of the most um, things I have that's a lot of pressure, I guess, as a student pastor, is when a new believer converts and is filled with the Holy Spirit, I have a responsibility to train them, the Bible says, in the way they would go. Parents, you have a responsibility to present your children mature in Christ when they leave your home. This is a, a, a big deal. And one thing that I do, and one thing I think is so important, is that we continue to remember the time when the Holy Spirit came inside of us. Does that make sense? That time when you knew, ooh, what is this? My favorite thing when a, a student athlete, um, especially a guy, guys are less emotional until they get the Holy Spirit. I've had so many times at camp and retreats and even right here on the front row where a guy who says he's never cried a day in his life gets filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know, it's that ugly cry. Like, why is there snot coming down right now? And I've had guys, <laughs> I'm not gonna call them out, um, because he's probably watching from out of town. But I'm telling you, he would say, why am I doing this? I'm like, it's called the Holy Spirit. It's gonna be okay. Um, and it is a thing that you can't ignore when the Holy Spirit comes inside of you. A couple of points that I remember um, when I see someone and I remember when I first got saved, I walked confident. I walked unashamed. I walked ready to take on the world. I mean, people saw it. I, I became a, a believer. I was up on a mountaintop and heard the gospel in a way that I've never heard it before um, about how God created me for a purpose and that he loves me no matter what. This was God's plan the whole time. And I said, that is the Jesus I want. That's the Jesus um, that I want to follow the rest of my life. I was 13 years old um, at Camp Rock Ridge down in Franklin, Georgia. And when I came home, I'm telling you, friends, family, my parents, um, people knew. I walked different, I talked different. I knew it, it was kind of confusing because I grew up in church and I couldn't really pinpoint the difference. And I started to see that I would be willing to do things and I was ready to do things. And then I would say this, when you walk like you just got saved, people will know. If you walk around like you just got saved, people will know. Side note, question, do you walk at school? Do you walk in the workplace? Do you wait in traffic and in line at the grocery store and people know you're a believer? Or are your first reactions and emotions kind of leave people confused? I don't know if they're filled with the Holy Spirit or not. This is the difference when we walk like we just got saved or when we can't really remember when we got saved, okay? Because we all get confronted with those moments that we question our salvation. We get in those moments that in this moment, people do not see the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm talking about? We won't spend any time on that today. It's another sermon. But I'm telling you that if you can go back to the confident, ready, unashamed, people know the difference, it will start to 
um, transform the way you walk. It will transform the way you vacation. It will transform how much you hold on to things and how much you let go to, um, of things. Go with me to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, um, the second letter to the church is so important. Um, and this is talking about walk in faith. Not just walk because you got saved or walk because you have faith or you need a little bit of faith, but walk in faith. Walking because you trust, not because you see what's coming. I'm gonna say that again. Scripture, Paul is preparing them, walk because you trust God, not because you know what's coming next. That's the hardest thing in transition. That's the hardest thing in your life. That's the hardest thing of um, being a parent, of when you have uh, young kids to teenage kids to empty nest, there's these transitions of not knowing what's next. So go with me, um, 2 Corinthians chapter five, and it says this, starting in verse one. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a, uh, we have a building from God, a house, not made of his hands eternal in the heavens. Verse two, for in the tent, we groan and longing to put on our heavenly dwelling if indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked for a while we are still in this tent and we groan being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed so that this immortal may be swallowed up by life. And verse five says, he who has prepared for us, this very thing is God who has given us the spirit as a guarantee, given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee how many of you, raise your hand, confession time, you would love when you wonder about what's next year or when you wonder what's gonna happen with your kids in their next grade or when you wonder what's gonna happen with your job in the next five years, you would like to know for sure 100% what's coming next. You need a guarantee. Raise your hand if that's you. Our whole life, if you didn't raise your hand, you're lying to me. Everyone wants a guarantee. Everyone wants it. If we were okay with the unknown, we would never pay for insurance. It's what we do because we're scared of the unknown. God is saying because of the Holy Spirit, you can have a guarantee. And verse six says, so we are always of good courage. We know that while we're in this home and the body, we are, by, uh, we are away from the Lord. For if we walk by faith and not by sight, if you walk by faith and not by sight, it is going to be a guarantee. It's just not in this very moment. Does that make sense? It's not in this very moment. My mom, um, everybody's different. Moms and dads are different, right? Uh, and this is good, this is a good thing. Um, I would say uh, my dad is my best friend, but I'm a mama's boy. Y'all know, yeah, I don't have to describe that, you know what I mean? Um, I, raise your hand real quick if you're a mama's boy. Let me just see. You're a mama's boy, okay. I was that way, uh, I, I was a mama's boy. It wasn't because I didn't like my dad. Um, my dad is who I go to when um, I know he won't have this phrase, go ask your mother, right? I knew what to ask my dad and I knew what to ask my mom, especially um, if I wanted to go somewhere, I don't ever ask dad. I always ask mom when she's almost asleep or on the phone. That's is, this is why I was a professional mama's boy. Um, is she would, yes, yes, yes. Okay, you see mom on the phone? Yes, yes, yes. Y'all heard that, right? I had all the siblings, witnesses. She said it, right? Um, my mom is the type when we were younger, 
uh, and she's this way with the grandkids and the great-grandkids. All right, wait, 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 wait. Put on sunscreen. We need to do this and all this kind of stuff. And y'all have, moms, I don't understand why to you it is not important that the sunscreen is not, you know, put on all the way. It's just like, whap, whap. And it's like, this is not gonna prevent anything. And then they're always, get your floaties. Don't go to the edge of the pool. Don't run. Why, moms? Why do you do this? Someone tell me. You don't want us to get hurt. You don't want us to fall. You don't want us to get hurt. You don't want to take care of us after we get hurt. Mothers are nesters. Mothers are protectors, right? They're sweet until someone messes with their baby. And then they're protectors, right? These are the differences. My dad, on the other hand, um, wants to teach people things like learning from failure. Go ahead. I want to do this. All right, go ahead. Whatever it may be. My dad was a type and it was something that I don't know what God put inside of me to trust our crazy dads, but it's like, jump, I'll catch you. And there is something crazy about a, a, a dad throwing their child absolutely as high as they can and the babe is just smiling and laughing and mom is over there with an inhaler having a heart attack. And on the deep end of the pool, dad's sitting there, you know, basically touching in the, in the five foot, six foot area. And, and, and the child just wants to jump. And he does this edge thing, you know, like, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And then mom's like, you'll be fine, he'll catch you. And I'm sitting there going, I know he says he'll catch me. But I also saw what he did with my older siblings. So it's this confusion thing. But man, it's so cool at the youngest of age, uh, for a child to trust, to be able to trust. Uh, and, and that's why I'm glad dads are, are different and moms are different. Dads, my dad, personally, when I was growing up, he was the one, um, I won't say he always said yes, but he never told me no without a why. So dads, I wanna encourage you and future fathers, I know we have this, uh, let me speak to the kids for a second. I know we have this struggle um, when parents give us an answer like no, and then they follow up with because I, right. It really is a struggle, okay? Because I don't understand. I am 31 years old and I still don't understand because I said so. My dad was professional at saying no and telling us why. So fathers, I'm just encouraging you. Um, I'm not a dad yet, but I will tell my son why. And because I said so is not a very good reason why. Now, for all the parents who are sitting up here going, oh, we'll see when he's a parent. We'll see when he's a parent. I'm not saying or condemning your parenting skills. I'm just saying that in any reason, me and Ben talk about it all the time at church, we're just why guys. I will get behind something if I know the why. I will believe in something if the why is big enough to make me cry. Like I will get behind it. People will come behind something. I will not always agree with my parents' choices. And it's kind of awkward now. I'm like taking care of senior citizens all the time. And in that weird sandwich generation um, where the grandmothers are 96 and the parents are 66 and I'm, you know, it's just a weird time. And it's great because God has seasons. But I'm telling you, my dad was the one that I said, dad, I want to start a business. He was not scared of me failing. He said, okay, dad, I want to uh, travel the world. I want to go um, to this place for the, the, the summer. He's like, you're 14 years old. I said, I know, Dad, but I, I really want to do it. And he would tell me the thing, you better come up with a why. 
you better sell it to your mom. You're 14 years old. But he would be the one that would really help me come up with the why and do things. And y'all have heard me say this, especially teenagers, do things on purpose. I feel like when we walk with faith, when we walk like we're saved, when we walk filled with the Holy Spirit, we should do things on purpose. And dads, um, it's one of the most encouraging things that I watch in our church when I see so many dads doing things on purpose, when I see your children become adults, and then I see on your adult children's uh, social media pages, something their dad did for them, whether it was fixing it, okay, and all this stuff. Now, let me just say real quick, if you are an adult and your dad still helps you, um, all the adult husbands, it's not because you can't, it's just because they want their dad to do it because he'll do it better. Okay, I just, it's just, I tell my uh, brother-in-laws, I have five of them, and I tell my brother-in-laws, hey, it's not because you can't do it, it's just baby girl wants dad to do it. That's all it is, okay? It's okay, these are the seasons that we're in. Um, you wanna be the dad, okay? And this is for me as a, as a son. When you are a father and you're walking by faith, you want to be the dad, uh, especially if I'm looking at anyone that's in here that's not a father, for your future family, be the dad that when your kid's in trouble, it's not the dad that says, man, I'm in trouble. Don't tell dad. Don't, you don't want to be that kind of person that when your kid's in trouble or when your kid really, man, I've really messed up. I have, this is a life altering direction, bad decision. You want to be the one that says, I've really messed up. I got to call dad. Does that make sense? When you have people around your circle, it's important to know that someone can call on you, rely on you, and trust you. That is so important for spirit-filled people to be trustworthy that when someone really messes up, you are the first person they think through or think of to call. Now, I'll be transparent. I told you, the younger years of my life, um, 12 to about 17, my dad was not on that list of people I would call first. My dad was on the list of anybody at my church needs to know, but don't tell my dad, right? Because there was more of a fearful respect than a loving respect. That was partly my issue, partly his parenting issue. And we worked through that over the years and, and God has healed relationships. Church, I want you to um, turn your Bibles over to uh, Ephesians chapter four. This is so important for us um, who are believers and for you who are not believers. This is point number three, walk like you were called. Walk like you were called because sometimes there are people in life who are appointed and there are some people who are called. And it is important to know the difference that when you're called to do something, um, or you're commanded in scripture to do something, it's not a, a negotiation. Dads, how many times have you had to make a decision and say, no negotiation, this is it, okay? How many times in your marriage there had to be decisions made that were non-negotiable? This is a hard place, same in scripture. There are so many places I'm learning in this next generation, everything in God's word is gray area. When I talk to teenagers this week, both Americans and um, Dominicans, everything we would talk about, they would say, well, actually, what about this? I'm like, look, I don't know where you found that. I don't know where you got that. I don't know what 
uh, celebrity is teaching that on TikTok or wherever you got it, but it's not a gray area. This is God's word. This is God's truth. And we need to walk like we're called. I'm nervous. I won't say worried. I'm nervous that a generation will be lost if we don't stick to walking like we're called. This is probably the most important um, thing that I'm working on personally um, in my own life and wanting to teach people on a daily basis, especially teenagers, because when you walk like you're called, people want to walk like that because a calling, y'all know this, a calling is non-negotiable. So read with me um, in Ephesians chapter four, and I'm going to read um, verses one through six. This is Peter writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. It says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of a calling to which you have been called. It's worthy of your calling. And it says, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, verse three, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. How many times do we see in our world, in our country, in your neighborhood, look at my face, in your home, disunity, divided decisions, divided direction, divided opinions. If we lean on God's word and lean on the things and calling of our life, there'll be so much less division. Verse three says it, be eager to maintain the unity in the bond of peace, verse four, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all, who was over all and through all and in all. This is what it's like to walk like you're called. It's one thing, non-negotiable, that we make decisions. Is this God's will or is it not? Is this direction God's calling us or is it not? Three lies. Three lies I want you to listen and hear that you hear all the time. These are three lies that you hear all the time from your own mouth, from the enemy himself, or from a friend. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Are you good? I'm good. Lie number two. I'm doing better than I was. Lie number three, I'm doing all I can. The reason I'm calling these lies are because when we tell ourselves things over and over and over again, then we believe them. Does that make sense? Then we start to justify our actions. If I am really bad here and right there is still really bad, we lie to ourselves and say, I'm okay. I'm better than I was. Does that make sense? Is it a truth that you are better than yesterday? Yes, but it's the lie because you justify where you're still at. And then the other one is so incredibly dangerous. Well, I'm doing all I can. How many of you parents have heard your kids say, I'm doing the best I can. And you're like, no, it's a lie. Cause I know the best. I know you have more than you. I get in trouble all the time because I hear Students tell me stories. I'm like, let me call your dad. I'll talk to him. He is not doing the best he can. How many of you personally lie to yourself? Man, I'm doing good. I got up today on time. I showered. I got to work on time. Man, I got to church a whole Sunday in the month. I'm doing the best I can. That's not calling people out. I lie to myself, okay? 
I ate a salad today and went to the gym this month. Okay? Doing the best I can. I slept several hours in a row last night. I won't tell you how many. It wasn't a lot. But I'm telling you, we lie to ourselves and say, I'm doing the best I can. No, when you walk like you're called, there is something inside of you that will make you do the best you can. Because I have learned in my own life that right when I think I am done, right when I think I'm done, there's more. Number four is walk in love. Ephesians chapter five, just flip over one chapter. Walk in love, we'll finish here today. If you walk in love, and this is a hard one for unbelievers, okay? This is a mission statement for you who know unbelievers, people who are not Christians in your home, people who are not Christians in your family, people who are in your neighborhood, right next door, the people you go to the lake with, the people you've already reserved the condo in July with. There are people that need you to walk in love because of what Ephesians chapter five. Paul, this is a non-negotiable, non-negotiable thing. This is a command and a statement that Paul is writing to the church. Verse one, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love, as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. I'm gonna read this again. Ephesians chapter five, verse one and two. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. Church, if we would copycat, like be professional copycats of God's word, if we would be professional imitators of God, this is what I know, that if this is what God's plan looks like and we start to obey, walk in love, our desires become the same. I can flip it around and they look the same. I'm imitating exactly the way God wants me to go. I told you at the beginning, there's a thing with water that God um, has an obsession with and he uses all the time I spoke at a church literally last Sunday in a Thorwell country and talked to them about when Peter was called. Walk like Peter was called. Peter tested God and he looked at Jesus and said, if you are Jesus, if you are my teacher, if you are who you say you are, call me to the water. And Jesus said, come Peter, don't test me. So be careful church when you test God because he will call you. And when he called Peter out to the water, there was a major step, church. If God would call you to the water, here's the question of the day. Will you be willing to step out and let go of the boat? Because I think a lot of times we want God's blessing. We want to know what it feels like to be in the middle of immeasurably more, to experience miracles in my family. We pray and long for broken relationships to be mended. We long for the people that we miss. We beg God with supplication that people's bodies would be healed. And God says, okay, I hear you. The Bible says that I hear my children's cries when they cried out to him in Egypt. He says, I hear you, come. 
I hear you, let's go. So church, if God will call you out to everything, his plan and his blessing and his favor, if he calls you out to do the immeasurably more and the impossible, will you step and let go of the boat? Because Peter had to step and see, okay, I'm good. But at some point, at some point, he had to let go, face the Messiah and trust.